live from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time for another edition of The Other Kind Radio, Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 62, and I know Todd's doing a research right now on the number 62. He'll tell us something cool about it in a minute. Today is August 18th, 2019. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly pop culture podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you are a returning kind listener, welcome back. We hope you had a good week. Hope everything went well. And he had a little uh, extra time to play in the puddle of pop culture. First time listeners are congratulated on finding this podcast amongst the plethora of podcasts. As always, we encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe the show to the show. And by doing so, you're helping feeding this, uh, help feed this algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show and its gravitational pull. We've had, um, uh, couple of really good weeks uh, of listenership. Uh, we want to say, I'm going to look real quick here. I wasn't prepared to do this, so give me one moment. I uh, want to say hello to Australia and New Zealand, who uh, joins us now in our, our small little podcast uh, universe. Thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the best way is info at theotherkindradio.com. Just send that to us. Send us your thoughts. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about you on the show. Uh, a couple quick shout outs. First of all is to B-Man, a good friend of mine I worked with years ago. And he contacted me, called me and said, oh, my God, your podcast. And uh, I'm like, oh, did you listen to it? And he said, yeah. I go, that was probably the worst beginning podcast we've done. That was episode 61 in a long time. Jeff was having a tough morning that morning. So, hello uh, to B-Man. Uh, also, um, Rich, uh, a guy that uh, I also worked with, got to hang out with him, and uh, it was good to catch up with him, and he has uh, a lot of hot sports opinions. Also want to throw a shout-out to Pub134, who is uh, quickly becoming a, a good listener, and, and Nick, the owner, is uh, a real fun guy to sit and have some conversations with about pop culture. So, Shout out to all those people, and thank you so much for listening, and keep your emails and calls coming. We, uh, I enjoy hearing from everybody. So uh, Now, with all that being said, let's bring on the better half of the show. He is a family generator, movie maker, guitar player, drum major, book author, dive bar, boombox member, founder actually, and all around a renaissance man, live from a studio somewhere near, but not in or located specifically around the town of Dallas. Please welcome Todd. Good morning, Jeffrey. I'd like to tell everyone out there in the world that the number 62 has th- three absolute points of relevance. Can I guess? The- Can I guess? Go ahead, please. It's the number of M&Ms in a box. Damn, there went one of them. <laughs> uh, it is the code for international direct calls to Indonesia. Oh, okay. Hello, Indonesia. The second? In the 1999 home run race, Mark McGuire hit his 62nd home run on September 8th, breaking the single season record. Sammy Sosa hit his 62nd home run just days later on September 13th. And then they found out they were doing like bad stuff, right? Yeah, well. Okay, we won't talk about that. Sorry. That's when we get to the number 69. <laughs> um, 
The last, uh, under the Social Security laws of the United States of America, the earliest days in which a person can begin to receive their benefits is at the age of 62. 62. 62. I'm coming up on you. Gonna want my money. All right. We'll save that. That's uh, definitely a hit. <laughs> in, t- in 10 years, definitely. Work you and I, well, no, I'll get there before you do. I always forget that I am older. Than hey, don't take all my money. All right. I'm taking everything. Yeah, you start sending me pictures with you and boats and stuff. Hey, Jeff, I'm yeah, taking your money. That's the crazy thing when you start looking at retirement benefits and they tell you, hey, don't start taking them early. And if you wait, you get more money. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, do. Do you take the money now or do you wait and get some more money? Right. And, and, and never mind the fact that it was, I guess it just was in the headlines yesterday. That there was a huge chunk of ice that is now broken off and is floating away and melting. So who knows if we'll see 62. Yeah, we may not get there. All right. Well, that's it for this okay. week, everyone. Have the a good week. Work is done. Stay positive. Wow, I'm uh, positively <laughs> depressed now. Aw, <laughs> don't be depressed. <laughs> let's, okay, I'm done. Let's, inst- let's instead. Okay, so I know I had this down at the end, but I can't wait to tell you. Can't wait to tell you. So I don't want to say specifically who it was, but... I found out yesterday that a friend of mine is married to the daughter of the guy that is the voice of Master Chief. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah. Dude, I didn't know where you were going. That might be just about the coolest thing that you could be in the pop culture world. You know who wasn't impressed with that? Catherine. The person that told me that. Oh, really? <laughs> it was very blasé, kind of like, oh, well, you know, her dad does this thing. It's, um, 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 hey, holla, hey, I'm like, hello, the voice of who? And he's like, oh, well, the, the main character, I'm like Master Chief. And he's like, yeah. And then I wouldn't shut up for 15 minutes. <laughs> I was wow. sitting there going like, there was a point in my life where Master Chief was inspiration and got me out of bed every morning. He's like, okay, can we go back to talking about film? I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, so for those of you that don't get it, I, I'm going to take a leap and say that in some ways, being associated with something like Halo is in the film world being associated with something like Star Wars. Great analogy. I mean, it is 100% there. It is ubiquitous within the, the world of gaming. Yeah. It, I mean, seriously, wow. I know, I know. I was just like, oh my Lord, this is awesome. So uh, my life has changed and uh, this will be the last podcast we do. I no longer need to continue breathing or existing as I have, I have reached my apex, my peak. I'll miss you and I will assume your uh, benefits from the United States of America since you won't hit 62. <laughs> nice, nice way to pull it back. I got to fix that intro. Needs to be more popping. All right. Typewriter means it's time for headlines. We got a few uh, kind of all around, uh, all around the pop culture uh, scene. I want to, I'm trying to figure out which one we should start with, but let's, let's start out with the one that again, some people may know or, or not know, but basically the young man who won the Fortnite. Um, there was a, there was a huge Fortnite uh, world champion and I think he was 14, this young 14, 16 year old, sorry, uh, wanted, he won $3 million for playing a video game. 
Wow. And uh, I think we talked a little bit about that on the podcast. Well, this past week, they uh, the, he was streaming live on Twitch and he got swatted. And for those of you who, excuse me, who may not know what swatting is, it's basically um, there are these trolls that spoof phone numbers, call the police and say horrible, horrible things like they're holding their parents hostage or they're going to do something really bad. And, you know, basically that results in uh, armed SWAT team showing up at his house and pounding on the door with guns drawn, trying to figure out what the situation is. This was a fortunate event. Or, or I should say it was a fortunate event. The fortunate thing that happened uh, that allowed this to be not as bad as it could is um, there are some cops that live on the same block as this young man does, and they recognized him, so they knew that you know everything was okay. Uh, it's a horrible thing to do, and I don't want to get I, you know I of course want to hear Todd's thoughts on it, but I mean just just leave the kid alone. I mean he plays a video game. This isn't like and it all originated from Call of Duty, where people would get you know into these huge arguments during the video game and say horrible things to each other. And then, you know, that was re retaliation. Fortnite's a Jolly Rancher colored, just goofy game. And um, I just think it's bad that, you know, this happened to this young man. So the first thing is, in some ways, I, I was starting to think, is this the escalation of those old days when we used to pick up the phone and is your refrigerator running kind of joke? Right. And, you know, that where it begins. But then the, the end of this, where, where we don't, it's almost the social media aspect of where we believe that somehow having one, one bit of vision into someone's life, we can somehow affect everything about them. Right. That, that's kind of disgusting. I mean, yeah. this idea that there is zero privacy within this world of stepping out there, I don't know. that. I, I've gotten to the point, and I think I've told you that with video games, I turn off everything. Yeah. Unless you're my friend, unless right. you and I are playing, or maybe Sean from Men of the Apes and I are playing. Yeah. That's the only people I talk to. And I even had that occurrence I know I told you about where somebody kind of flamed me over a game. And I yeah. thought, what is this? Why do yeah. I even have to tolerate this? Yeah. Yeah. It's every once in a while when I'm online playing, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get somebody and, you know, kill them or whatever in the Call of Duty world kill as, as far as killing. And then, you know, I'll see a message pop up and it's like, you know, I was just delayed even opening that because it's, you know, you know what they're going to say is, you know, you, you're cheated or whatever. And it's just like, good Lord, you know, it's just a game. So wouldn't it be nice if one of those guys or, or girls who are maybe instead of saying that actually said, man, that was an awesome. I know. Why can't we be that way? It's a game. Yeah, if you play a game. game of cards, I don't look over at you and want to kill you or right. send a swap to you. You beat me. Speaking of which, I need to finish. I've got this note down. Uh, the uh, master class. Are you familiar with that? I am. They the new one that came out is a guy that's a professional poker player. It's supposed to teach you about stuff. So mm. that, that might be interesting. We'll talk about master class sometime because that's pretty interesting. All right. You know, um, to poker, I, I might have to take up on that. So tell me who that is afterwards because I get I get pulled into playing poker with the guys in this community and I always lose. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really the person that nobody wants to play poker with because if I get a good hand, uh, I immediately jump up and down and then they're like, you know, you're not <laughs> supposed to do that. And then it'll turn out that the hand that I thought was good is, was just, you know, was just a, a and uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. 
Um, I'm looking on the Masterclass page right now, and I'm not seeing him. But, um, yeah, you know, and Spike Lee's on there now. Herbie Hancock. Yeah. There's, some, there's some good stuff, so... For those people out there that if you, and again, we need to do something about we do, it. Maybe we do. you and I will each pick a class and watch it. But Ron Howard has one. And you want to talk about somebody that's just very matter of fact about how you make films and why you do what you do. Man, I watched parts of it. Really good. Cool. Cool. All right. We'll make sure we do that. Um, on to our next headline. Uh, something I, I, I saw and, and caught my eye and I wanted to know what your thoughts was. First of all, I didn't know about the reboot of The Sopranos. Um I, I, in itself, I have some mixed feelings about, um, you know, why you would even have that show boot up again. But interestingly enough, uh, Tony Soprano, who was played by James Gandolfini, um, his son, Michael, is going to play the young Tony Soprano. And to me, that's, oof, it's still, I don't know. I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I think that show ended in probably one of the best ways a show could end. And, but to, to reboot it, I get it. It's, it's out of money. You gotta make, gotta make the world go around, but then to get his son to play him. Oof. Well, then again, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea that you, you turn to the son and if the son wants to break in and if he has the chops to do it, give it to him and see what he can do. Yeah. I just, I am very weary of, hey, let's not just reboot it, not just go back into the world, but let's tell the story before the story. Because sometimes the idea of what the mystery of of the elements that happened before something we watched yeah. are better left a mystery because we've already filled the gaps in our minds. Yeah. And, and I just don't know that I need it defined. You know, I, I famously have never watched the end of Sopranos because <gasps> for, I no, for whatever reason, I got to a certain point, and I think I'd overdone it with watching so much. And it is literally, it is on my list of things to do. And if I've never said this before, one of my favorite writers, John Irving, World, World, World According to Garp, is a huge Charles Dickens fan. And there's one Charles Dickens novel he's never read. And he says on that very last week of his life, that's when he's going to read it. So he always has something to look forward to. And The Sopranos is a always something to look forward to for me. I am flabbergasted. I have I, uh, <laughs> Folks, uh, we, we've already joked about the show being over. We already joked about this the last podcast. Uh, uh, the number 62 relevance is also the last number in the series of podcast for us, apparently. Yes, exactly. And the apex and height and joy I was feeling of having ties to the voice of Master Chief um, have all dissipated now. And I'm, I'm back oh, to regular Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you, do I need to go into all the weird Fellini films I've seen, no, Michael no, no. and I'm just shocked because uh, the ending in itself was... Uh, but yes, I, 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 I binged on it and then watched the last episode, and I think I was literally depressed for two days just because it was all over, you know, and you're just left with these questions and everything else. So, interesting. And we'll see how it is. Do, do you know... Um, I know you've got the uh, your fingers on the pulse of... Uh, of who's who's behind it is it, are they going to use the same team that i don't know uh what is that guy's name and now because you asked me if david cross isn't that his name or something like that let me look this up because i mean i mean that could be dangerous if you did have the same people involved it might be better to have new people involved um but i'm, I'm like you that's i mean better call saul was kind of a continuation of breaking bad Ooh. 
but you know don't play around with breaking bad i mean it's done it's there's also a reason why i haven't done another wire or david chase not david cross david chase chase is he involved and i'm trying to find out if he's involved i was at least able to find out apparently he is okay he he, Every, has, he wrote it so okay fine so ev- and just it, everybody forget everything i just said <laughs> So you you bring up an interesting point because, you know, to nip in the bud my idea of I don't want to know anything before, I think that Better Call Saul took a very interesting approach, which is to tell a story of another character than yeah. the main Because then you are opening up some things like, oh, now I see how this plays. And that's a very interesting idea if we go back and tell the stories. And actually, one of my headlines, we'll get to that very kind of thing, how you take the character away from the main uh, thrux of a saga, right? And you tell a story around them, so that it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly interested. <laughs> and before I was not interested, but now that I know he's involved, I'm mildly interested. So that mildly interested—that's kind of like just like just a regular hamburger with with nothing really fancy on it. It's like, oh, it's a hamburger. Yeah, it's like a McDonald's burger. There you go. All right, uh, we'll keep tabs on that and the kind listener to date as far as uh, how that comes along. Now we're going to have to at least watch the first episode. All right, so our next headline is something that I literally found this morning. Um, I was talking to B-Man when he called me. He's like, how do you, you know, how do you choose what you're going to talk about? And it's weird because some things, it'll be a slow week. And then I come across this. And so in a lot of ways, Todd, I just introduced it to Todd in the, in the pre-call. So we're still, what's a, what's a good word? That every, we're still processing. We're still digesting. But here is what it is. There is a game developer that has created an online game where they have built a virtual set. So think of like a miniature set of the town of Chernobyl. And what you can do as the player is log in and you remotely control these small little cars that they've created and you can drive around the town and into the buildings and they've got these little markers that you can go and scan and you get points. It's called uh, Isotopium Chernobyl and they're at uh, their website is isotopium.com. Uh, the gaming company is Remote Games. So they're thinking of, you know, uh, in this age of all this hardware and software development, and graphics and everything. This is a little step in a different direction where they've created a miniature version of this world and you can drive around it. Now, there are a couple things that Todd and I were talking about this. So first of all, Chernobyl, one of the, you know, best television series I've seen in a long time has ignited a visitor business there. People are going to Chernobyl and wanting to walk around and and check it out. Um, a lot of videos on YouTube have surfaced of people who have snuck in and gone and, and into the buildings and everything. Um, so I, I see why they, why they picked this and it's supposed to be pretty darn accurate, right? Um, they have the Ferris wheel that's in there and, and everything else. So, um, I'll turn it over to Todd, but you know, again, we're still kind of processing. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Are they making money off of a horrible disaster where thousands of people died or is it okay to do something like this? Todd, you know, as you went through all that, I I tried to tap into, okay, 
how many places do we have where we visit horrible tragedies? I've been to two that I can immediately think of. I've, I've been to the uh, Pearl Harbor okay. uh, Memorial in uh, Oahu, I think is where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really interesting because they're very respectful that the ships that were sunk are still down there. In fact, they famously, you can stand and you can literally watch them leak oil still to this day. Mm lopes of it and and it's it's haunting it's beautiful it makes you think about what we do to each other i've also been to the 9-11 memorial Mm. um, and you want to talk about something that good lord that is just hard to go through but at the same time it's i think it's important that we know of these tragedies we know what we do to each other so hopefully we can eventually learn not to do it to one another quick question i'm sorry to interrupt both those locations was that a pay did you have to pay to access those sites Yes, and I believe that the money that is generated to pay is actually used to preserve them. Got it. Okay. So, like you know, like I said, with uh, with Pearl Harbor, with uh, the nine eleven museum, you literally go down into the ground, and you see the steel girders are still there from the World Trade Center. They've left them, so you're literally walking upon things like that. They've got the actual uh, fire trucks that were you know com- almost completely destroyed by the buildings falling on them and debris. It's treated very respectfully. One of the staircases that people ran down to get away is still preserved. You go down an escalator next to it. So they preserved the scene. The reason I get to that is I'm sure Chernobyl deserves that same thing because it was a horrific tragedy. Right. Yet, if I go to Pearl Harbor and if I go to the 9-11 memorial, I am not in immediate jeopardy of being exposed to something that is deadly to me. I know that the, the radioactive levels have gone down greatly, but they still say you can't stay there right. too long. Right. So, okay, is this idea that we've created virtual car, our cars that go around a virtual set, a way of honoring the people that died and teaching us of the tragedy, or is it exploiting it? Because now you go around, you collect things, you make it into a video game. Right. I, it's it's both it you know it's it's compelling in one way when I think about okay there's a chance that I can experience it without dying. At the same time, this idea of collecting things I think is really misguided. Have you have you watched the video though, and you see w- what it is that you're collecting? I I, I watched just a little. I, okay. While we were doing pre pro, I, I I watched maybe a minute and a so half. It, it not and and and, and you know so I, I hear what you're saying, but once you see it, it's literally this thing that obviously has some type of green screen tie to it and it's like a pulsing light and then you right. go up and hit a key and it just kind of the circle closes in and you collect it but i hear you i hear you and in, in what that is and so you know again we'd like to throw it out to the kind listener and you know what is this now i thought i did go and check you know on the website and remote games is just a they're a game company um I thought maybe this was somebody in Chernobyl or with ties to Chernobyl, and it's not. So there isn't the guise of we're doing it because we're still trying to recover financial loss from what happened. Um, this is a business. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. I like I like the idea of being able to remotely, via my computer, control a car and go and explore and do stuff. And um, I think that, again with you know every game that comes out is like does it run 60 frames per second what's the largest you know or it takes a forty thousand gig to to you know run it and you need a processor that could you know power eight space shuttles but anyway um 
so, but and this is a different take now it in it is would we be talking about it if it was you know touring the grand canyon you know no, or, or anything not. yeah so but at the same time i wonder when you go you know, and this might not work and it becomes heavy it can become heavy-handed but when you go collect these isotopes or whatever it is you're you're collecting right why can't facts you know as that green oh. circle goes away why couldn't you get a fact about it so we were fine yeah. If you want to do it and you want to make it into this game element, then make it that I discover and I learn as I go. Uh, that's a good point. We'll keep an eye on it. I actually have signed up and I'm going to go in and play. So uh, just to just to kind of get the experience because um, uh, they th- some of the buildings that you can drive into are very dimly lit and are, it is a little creepy. There's also a sound that plays, and I, I think it may just be just a sound file, but to where you can hear the Geiger counter. Uh, clicking. So again, you know, they're, they're not getting away or in any way trying to, uh, to soften the uh, reality of what happened there. So uh, we'll check it out and, and uh, I'll get back to you, but uh, glad to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, our next headline is, um, has uh, Star Wars news uh, topic. And I saw this article, but I purposely did not read it because I'm, I'm, it confused me, and I want uh, I want my good friend and, and co-host of The Other Kind Radio, Todd, to explain it to me. So, Todd, please tell us what's going on there. So the big news splash this week that Ewan McGregor has signed on to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars saga. What's interesting about this is it's not going to be a movie. Oh. It's on their new streaming service called Disney+. Plus. Oh, boy. And, well... The, the first series that is going to premiere in November for Disney Plus is called The Mandalorian, which is, for those of us in the Star Wars geekdom, The Mandalorians are the people that Boba Fett wears a Mandalorian costume. And they're kind of warriors that are fabled. Um, one of the guys that was in uh, Narcos is going to play The Mandalorian. It's created by Jon Favreau, so you've got a really good pedigree mm. behind it. Well, now along comes this thing. Then what a lot of people have said, and I think I do think this is interesting if they execute it properly. You're looking at between the end of Return of uh, Revenge of the Sith to the beginning of Star Wars: A New Hope as a whole broad area. What happened to Obi Wan from the time he went into hiding, protected Luke, and what on? Mm. Now it's been tapped into and is part of the official canon in a couple of the cartoons they have, Clone Wars and things like that, have shown how he protected Luke and that Darth Maul. I don't know if you know this. Do you remember who Darth Maul is? Yeah, it was the guy that was like really badass, and then like three or four minutes into the lightsaber fight, he got cut in half and thrown down a vacuum tube or something. Pretty much, but because George Lucas doesn't know how to tell a story and decides whenever <laughs> I don't know what to do with you, I kill you and throw you down a hole. But I digress. Right. In the cartoons, they famously went back and said, what if that, you know, and and this is a pretty interesting idea that the, the emperor is deciding these things about, what if I start putting robotic type things? Now think ahead to Darth Vader. He's already been experimenting with this, but mm-hmm. they find Darth Maul and he gets legs and these kind of things. They're like robotic legs. And that sounds at first like, really? It really worked. It mm-hmm. was really creepy. And one of the best things that was ever in the Clone Wars was a little addendum to something. And it was Obi-Wan by a fire and Darth Maul comes out. And they they literally get to the point where they're b- about to face off the lightsabers ignite and they go at each other and it hard cuts and never tells you a story. But it was, in fact, I may, I'm going to see if I can't find that on mm. YouTube and I'll post that on the, the Twitter account. Sure. But it's a great little moment. 
if they can tap into that, I think they've got a winner. And I think what Disney is doing in this, they Rogue One, which was the first of a Star Wars stories mm-hmm. films, mm-hmm. actually was a pretty big hit. I, I really it. like that movie. Yeah, yeah. I did too. Um, Solo famously took a, a pretty hard hit and was not a big success at the box office. It's done pretty good in uh, home video. But what they started thinking was, well, maybe we only make movies of the saga films, which, you know, now they've, they're going to wrap it up with the rise of Skywalker. They've got the guys that did game of Thrones about to start their own. And Ryan Johnson who directed last shot is going to start his own. So we're going to have saga films, but these ideas of standalone stories are going to go to the Disney streaming service. And I, it's a stroke of genius because now every star Wars geek in the world, including me, is going to get the Disney streaming service because we want to see these stories. It's a guaranteed success. And especially there's le- the more that they put these on, there's less of a chance that I'm going to go, oh, I'll watch The Mandalorian and cancel my account because then what's going to happen, they'll have Obi-Wan ready three months later. I'm going to be right back in. Right. So, Do we know what the Disney streaming thing costs? They have not announced it yet, but they did announce about two weeks ago, a pretty interesting thing because Disney owns ABC, which owns ESPN. Disney also owns Hulu. So they're going to have a Disney plus premium membership to where if you pay oh, okay. $14.99 a month, you get, you get the ABC stuff, you get Disney, you get, uh, you get the Hulu, but it's the Hulu where they insert ads. Got it. And so they're, they're pretty smart about this. They're going to package it together and make it work. Back to Darth Maul. Okay. He has robotic legs. Do you think that's where we got Michael Flatley? So, number 62. <laughs> he is officially the last. <laughs> Before it was kind of a guess. Now it's official. <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Well, I couldn't see Dan- <laughs> Jeff was dancing on his camera, and I can't decide if I'm disturbed or turned on. It right. may be a little bit of both. <laughs> that's my superpower. Um, <laughs> All right, well, so we'll keep an eye on that. Thank you for explaining that to me. And and I love all of it except for just the idea that I'm going to have to sign up for another streaming service to watch this. But ding. Yeah. It, it's uh for me that's a ding for you with it's that for me, but um we'll, we'll 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 see we'll see what happens. Um before we get out of headlines 100%, um there were a few notable deaths this past week and Todd's got the list uh on it. Just a couple of people that I know that uh, influenced pop culture quite a bit. One of them was Peter Fonda, who is the brother of Jane Fonda. And he died, was it at 80? How old was he? I, it's, he was 79, 79. according to IMDb. Okay. Um, and who else did you have on the list there? Um, we also had Richard Williams, who was a three-time Oscar-winning animator, had done uh, a short that won him some some attention. He had been a big hand in animating the Pink Panther uh, figure at the head of the Pink Panther films. Mm. But what he's probably most famously known for is being the, the animator in charge of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, for which he won a Special Academy Award for. Ah. And oh. so, I mean, he definitely had a finger on a unique style and it's very rare that you see in the trade paper somebody an animator brought up in the oh he passed away this guy was such so iconic that right 
it, it smashed all over every one of them that he was gone. He he died at the age of eighty six. Okay. Uh, anybody else? That comes That's to- all I have. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, there's uh, so we can make it a triumvirate. Or- <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> On that note, let's get that that uh, angry typewriter out and uh, go ahead and end this edition of the Other Kind Radio headlines. Uh, you're listening to the Other Kind Radio. I'm Jeff. He's Todd. We are talking pop culture and uh, are glad you're here on the show. Our center stage today, and I didn't even ask you in the pre in the pre-con if you had any real big Todd's take on or that you wanted to do this week. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I was going to mention, and I'll just do it quickly, the the uh, Netflix show Mindhunter that is uh, led by David Fincher, very amazing director, uh, set in the late 80s, two FBI agents are tasked with interviewing serial killers. And basically they go in, they go interview famous serial killers and it really, it's, it's based on real life events of how they learn to profile these people. It is fascinating. It is disturbing. It is really good. And I am three episodes in and I'm already enthralled. So if you've not checked out Mindhunter before, it is a great watch. You've got one season ahead of this. And like I said, the current one. Uh, mine is also a Netflix uh, show. Um, I went in and uh, was able to binge season uh, three of Glow and uh, recommend it. Uh, it does start a little slow. Uh, it actually starts with uh, the Challenger tragedy. Um, and I, you know, the crew is in Vegas and they're kind of having to work out of that space. So some of it for me, there was a little bit of some pacing issues, but really ramps up at the end, and and I'm glad I did watch it. Um, where they go from here, I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be uh, challenging. I think at some point they're going to have to uh, try and figure out how they're going to end this thing up. But uh, season three of Glow now on Netflix. Uh, Jeff's judgment on it is uh, yeah, give it a give it a try. There you go. There's there's the shortest Todd's take on and Jeff's judgment on <laughs> in the history, 62-episode history of the uh, the Other Kind Radio. I like to say that's not short. I like to say it's the most efficient. We're, yeah. As Superstar Steve says, laziness, when executed properly, breeds efficiency. Damn, he's smart. That's know, why he he's so successful. It's just a long sentence to say. I think I could be just like, nah, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's move on over to center stage. Um, this is uh, this is a, a movie that uh, just came out. We'll go to t- Todd with the tail of the tape in a minute here. Uh, remind the kind listener that uh, Todd was able to go see a sneak peek. I uh, stupidly uh, bought tickets thinking it was going to open that week, went to the movie theater and got turned around and said, uh, they're like, hey, this hasn't come out yet. So I did get to go see it. Uh, I went early. Uh, I had a Mountain Dew and a hot dog at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and um, proceeded to uh, watch the film. One thing I wanted to note for uh, for Todd and discuss a little bit is tr- somebody has to do something about trailers. Trailers are getting out of hand and just, I mean, why not just show me the movie? And they're even cut and edited. There's a new um, Will Smith film where he basically fights himself because this person has cloned him. I'm not even going to try and look up the name of the film, just to Google Will Smith. 
and it looked just like another movie that's coming out that's action-based. I mean, cut for cut, Todd. I mean, we are talking, literally, you probably could show them on, this, on you know two screens next to each other, and it would be the same thing. It's like how uninspiring it is, and they're wondering, like, oh, the American theater's dying, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Put some trailers together. Do what Tenet did, which was kind of a, a surprise release trailer in movie theaters if people went and saw Hobbs and Shaw. But this is just getting ridiculous. And, and, you know, the sad thing is, I think part of my my review for uh, Blinded by the Light was affected by it because it put me in a bad mood. You know, so the, the film you're referring to is Gemini Man, which when I saw the trailer, every indicator in my world starts going down when I see Will Smith. I'm like, <laughs> but then at the end, I see it's directed by Ang Lee, famous of Brokeback Mountain. Ah. Um, you know, any great director. So I'm mildly interested, but I would agree with you that the trailers have all but ruined uh, the movie going experience. I, I actually saw Sean from Men of the Apes yesterday. We had lunch together. We're talking and he said the same thing that, you know, it's now to the point that I won't watch, but one trailer of a film, I don't want to see subsequent releases no. because by the end of it, you're ending up seeing a 12th of the film. You know, there's roughly 10 minutes of footage of, of things. I don't want to see it. I'm taken back to the days of, and I'm going to reference Planet of the Apes since I am so involved in that. There is a trailer for Planet of the Apes that is simply Charlton Heston in his everyday clothes looking at the camera. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Charlton Heston. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did you get that soundbite? What soundbite? What, did I sound so close to Charlton there? Oh, that wasn't, oh, yeah, I thought that was actually, oh, yeah, that's great. Do it again. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Anyway, it was rude. But then he, you know, I just ignore you at this point. 62 is also the number of times that I've ignored you during the show. <laughs> by the way, the hamburger account is up to two. You are mildly interested by two things. So that's two hamburgers oh, wow. for this episode. So now we have a new thing that's the hamburger account. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but they, they famously just use him talking. He's on the set, but yeah. he's in his everyday street clothes. I'm making this new exciting film called Planet of the Apes. This thing, blah, blah, blah. It's based on Pierre Bull's novel. Show me that. Yeah. That me more excited. If you're showing me behind the scenes stuff, you know, here's what we're doing with it. You know, I've gone on and on about how they're ruining the movie business with this. I, I'm see now we're down a rabbit hole and I'm going to, I'm no, going to no, stop. No, 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 this is good. I mean, Clark has a new movie call coming out called last Christmas that uses the music of George Michael. Oh, uh, yeah. or, you know, in the background is a romantic comedy. And as Sean and I are talking yesterday about movie trailers, he said, you know, the scuttle is that this is what happens. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's laid out in the fracking trailer. I know the movie. Why do I even need to go now? Exactly. Can I, I want to ask you a question in relation to this and help me further my 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 education of, of film. So okay. with the following statement, and no, I'm not bringing back up Doss Mall, would the, would the following statement be true? That back in the days of earlier film money was harder to come by and most of the money went into the making of the film. And when it came to the trailer, they tried to do that as speedily and efficiently and cost effective as possible. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the trailer of the shining, the one with the blood coming out of the elevator, I mean, that's just straight out of the film and that was it. Yeah. So am I on the right track or, or, or is just the, the tastes have changed? There's a yes and no to that. Yeah. The, the money was 
distributed differently because you really had the prestige films. You had the, the, the things like the superhero films now would have been considered the serials that showed before. So the same amount of money would not have been thrown to it. There was a very different approach to it. Marketing was vastly different. You didn't have the ability to throw media out there. The really only way that people were seeing it were either in what were called lobby cards, which you know, now we go to a movie theater and we see posters for movies coming up and you still got that. But what they would do is they would put like stills from an image would be in the lobby and those yeah. lobby cards are meant to show you moments in the film, but you're seeing staging of it and what the film was about, maybe in text written below, but you weren't showing the moment. And it's, you know, I, I think back to even the trailer from um, French Connection, which has one of the, the single most famous car chases and mm-hmm. it's ever existed the trailer utilizes much of that footage. So here it is. The seminal moment of that film is given away in the trailer. Wow. So I think in some ways though, you can create a, a point of interest because that chase comes later in the film. And now you're, you, you know what the crescendo of the film is and you're almost anticipating it and your interest stays there. Cause you know, you're going to get to it. I think there's a savvy marketing ability to that. I think that you can do, you know, what Planet of the Apes did, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man famously shot its own trailer that was simply Spider-Man stopping a bank robbery, had nothing to do with the film, right. yet it completely showed you what it is. I think if anything, I think that the money does dictate now what the marketing is because they know that they have the the time in the Metroplex, uh, Metroplex, Megaplex is so limited, they know they better throw a crap ton of money at it they better define what the movie is. You better know so the people go see it. And right. that's that's what it's all targeted marketing and knowing that they only have maybe a four-week window to make their money back. Well said. Uh, apologies to the kind listener. That thump you heard was me accidentally banging my headphones into the mic. I apologize. And I have written it down. Trailer Talk, we will do a show specifically on that because I think there's, like you said, a whole bunch of conversation that we could have on that. Um, we also, again, invite the kind listener, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, if this is a trend, if Todd and I are if we're just a couple of old farts that uh, are just grumpy all the time, then, uh, you know, I know I'm grumpy today because I sneezed last night and now my shoulder hurts. So I don't know what happened. So it could be the old guy card as well. But I uh, definitely want to have more discussion with you on that. I would uh, love to do that. What, so you went, you got to go to the sneak peek. Where was it a red carpet where they're, they're like going, you know, Todd, Todd, can, you, we need a, can you quote us? Can you, you know, with the, with well, the paparazzi they there? Down, yeah, they, once they know I'm coming, they shut down the theater and everyone else that has a pass to get in is asked Leaves. to leave. <laughs> no, it was I, just a normal sneak peek. I've signed up for all these things. So hopefully, you know, in some, some of the movies oh. that I get offered to go to sneak peeks, it's like, oh God, I would never see that. How do but, you sign up for those? Just go. I, I don't remember, but I'll tell you what, the next time that I get one across, I'm going to forward it to yeah. you. And I bet you there's a subscribe link on it. Okay, cool. So I get this, I get this offer. And like I said, I turned down many of them. Uh, but of course, when this came, I thought I've got to go see it. So right. I got the passes, reached out to, to Sean of Men of the Apes, and he went with me. Uh, it was a, a simple situation at the Angelica Theater here that we went, walked up, got in. I sat down with my bag of popcorn and a Coke. And the great thing was there was only one trailer. It would, since this is a Warner Brothers release, I believe, um, we got one Warner Brothers trailer in front of it. So that didn't taint me. Right. Um, let, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the, the, uh, the story. What do you, with the tale of the tape? Is tale that what you want yeah. to call it? 
but would you do me a favor too? Yeah. See if you can find the trailer because I, I feel like we oh. all need to let it play because you'll begin Oof. to understand a bit more of how this works. But let me say this: this is directed by, and I'm going to say her name wrong, Geranda Chada, who is the director of Bend It Like Beckham, which was a pretty big hit. Um, she made this film that tells the story in 1987 during the austere days of Margaret Thatcher's Britain. A teenager learns to live life, understand his family, and find his own voice through the music of Bruce Springsteen. Now, the kind listener that knows Bruce is pretty much in the pinnacle of things that affected me in the pop culture world. Bruce is right up there at the top. I I grew up in a small town. I lived w- around people much like he's in Britain in this way. I was in the Texas version of this. So immediately when I saw this trailer, it hit me and I thought, oh my God, that's me as a little boy to an extent. Right. So do you have the trailer? I do, I do have the trailer. I do want to, ma- I do want to mention one thing. Uh, when I was talking to B, B-Man, you know, um, it brought up, he, he asked a good question. He was like, you know, you and Todd seem to agree a lot, you know, and we disagreed last week on, on uh, the boys. Um, we don't even, just for the kind listeners, just a little behind the scenes for the kind listener. We talk a little bit, but a lot of it, like especially this movie, we have not synced at all. So this is all not only recorded live, but this is also a live discussion that he and I am ha- are having with not knowing what the other person thought. Didn't share anything. So here is the trailer, and then we'll get into uh, our review of it on Center Stage. You're listening to The Other Kind Radio. Yeah, of course. Emma's mates are coming, and I know one who would be perfect for you. She's not fussy. Really? First day, start at the top and stay there. Stay away from the girls! I want to be a writer, but my family is stuck in another century. Writing isn't a job. I need you to do more. Make a wish, Peter. Kiss a girl and get out of this dump. Bruce, the direct line to all this true in this shitty world. Seriously? What does he know about our world? You should be listening to our music before you start getting confused and hating yourself. I listen to everything. I can feel it all right here. It's like Bruce knows everything I've ever felt, everything I've ever wanted. Poems. They're not brilliant, but they're mine. You think that this man sings for people like us? But he talks to me. You cannot be serious, mate. My dream was to come here and work hard for my family. If you don't try to fix this, we will lose our son for good. This guy is incredible. You've never heard lyrics like his. Is that Billy Joel? Billy Joel, you try and raise your kids right, Jay. Bruce sings about not letting the hardness of the world stop you from letting the best of you slip away. My hope is to build a bridge to my ambitions, but not a wall between my family and me. Hope to see you visit. I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen's hometown. I can't think of a better reason to visit the United States than to see the home of the boss. Traps like us. Baby, we were born to run. Did you write that? I've told you before, your lyrics are rubbish. That didn't even rhyme! 
First of all, why did the customs agent sound like he was from Canada? <laughs> he does have like a weird <laughs> amalgam of a Jersey Canadian influence. So there you have it in a nutshell. This is a young man. Uh, you can't gather it. They don't necessarily say it, but he's of Indian descent. His father. Pakistani. Uh, Pakistani. Thank you. You're welcome. Pakistani descent. And you, you've seen it more recently than I have. Um, his father came here. It brings up interesting ideas of, of the immigrant struggle. Why do you come to a new land if you don't come here to give me a better place or the chance to fight for what I believe, just as you left to fight for what you believe? Right. I found many of the themes in the film to be things that I struggled with myself uh, living in a small town. This, this will sound like, oh, poor pitiful Todd, but I was the son of a psychologist and had zero desire to be in that world. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have some of his tendencies towards wanting to talk to people and help but it wasn't who I was. And so my father and I would clash when I was young. And I looked at this small town that was based around, it's where I grew up as one of the oldest railroad towns in Texas, flat out, one of the first established. And as you can imagine, that industry has not thrived. It's died. And I would look at that city, that town and see death. So when I was introduced to Bruce Springsteen, in the, the mid to late 70s, at first I was just like, wow, he's cool. He's up there. The first time I saw him, he's wearing a suit on stage. You didn't see a lot of rockers wearing a suit. I thought that's cool. But as I began to listen to the words, they hit me just as this young man is affected. He, he feels disconnected. He can't find a girlfriend. He wants to be himself. He wants to be something that he's told not to be. And suddenly he he's offered a gospel of truth. And... In that way, I think the film explores some things that I wish it might have even gone further into, which is what happens to us when pop culture affects us so deeply that it then becomes our presence to the rest of the people. Uh, the people that know me, Jeff included, I, I, I don't know that I've ever quoted Bruce to Jeff, but mm -hmm. I would sure that you're thinking it's probably not far off my tongue that I'm thinking the things I've learned through him. Only, only when you were like, and by the way, don't call me Todd. Call me the boss. I was like, okay, boss. You know, and then those of us who are real Bruce fans very rarely call him the boss. I get that's, you know, little Steven named him that. Uh, that's his column. I don't call him that. Right. But I, I think here's a good film. Okay. I'm going to say it. Here's a good, enjoyable film that's not a great film. Mm. It has flaws. It has very quickly discernible, almost not. And when I say stereotypes, I'm not just talking of the family, the Pakistani type thing or the skinheads that want to fight with them. I do think it's a pretty smart choice to tell this story in this day and age with all the xenophobia we have going on in the world. I don't know. It just, some of it rang forced to me. Mm -hmm. Some of it was a little ham fisted, but again, let me get back to where I wish this film had gone. And I think it does bring up the interesting conversation. We all have something in this world that becomes like a Bible to us, that allows us to look and say, that's, that's a truth I can follow and I can turn there for comfort. I can turn there for guidance. And I think that that's a very interesting thing to approach, whether it be Bruce Springsteen, whether it be Bon Jovi, whether it be the, uh, what, what, what are the, oh my God, I can't think of those stupid action films, the, Oh my God! They race the cars everywhere right oh, now. That are speed, speed, or or Fast and Furious. 
Fast and Furious. Well, those those don't appeal to me, but they might appeal to someone. So whatever it may be, I think that showing the obsessive nature of that, I wished that he had gotten so so beyond obsessed that he and he does get a little clouded to what where he needs to be in the world and what he needs. It's not enough. The last thing, and it makes me so glad you touched on trailers and we listened to it. Why do you give away the final speech of the film in the trailer? Yeah. Because what he says that is true about what Bruce Springsteen means to so many of us that that love him should never have been in this trailer. It should have been the part when my heart was wrenched. But when it got there, I was like, oh, it's the part from the trailer. I know what he's going to say. All my tears went back in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very well said. I think, and especially uh, watching the trailer, I think that was a, a, a moment of... Uh, uh, that was fortunate for us. I was going to say genius, but genius is kind of a strong word, but I'm, I'm glad you and I did that because I'll tell you this, the number one thing that I walked away from this film was I was sold a bill of goods that wasn't what I, what I, what it was. That trailer makes me feel like I'm going to go see a comedy or a film that had more, that had more humor than it did in it. Um, so when the film starts and gets going, and you again, you're seeing all these funny parts that you've already seen, and then it takes a rather serious turn. I was caught off guard, and I think it was all the trailers I had to watch before. I'm like, "What is this? This this movie um, was a good film, but why why package it as something else?" And I this gets back into metrics and numbers and you know because it's very upbeat it's got some of the great songs by bruce on there um they also play a lot of really good uh 80s music in there the cutting crew was in there and some other songs that i thought were great but i thought i was going to go see some teenage angst and about you know not being able to get out of that town and, and go where you want to with a love interest and a buddy and some stuff so for me, this movie shifts gears way too fast. They touch on racism. They touch on Margaret Thatcher and what the Pakistanis that were in this town were exposed to. There's a scene where neighborhood kids pee through the mail drop all over the floor of this Pakistanis family's house. So you, you, you witness and see that and, and you're kind of still processing like, holy wow, this is, I can't believe that's people would do that's horrible and then shortly later you're transported into what feels like a moment out of greece where they're running down the street singing the songs out loud and so i'm going like okay wait a minute i'm in an, i'm in an environment where the these people this race of people are, are being all these horrible things done to them but now it's okay for them to be in the town square screaming and getting every, no, i shouldn't say screaming singing and getting everybody to dance with them to a Bruce Springsteen song. And for me, those gears were too, too quick to shift and too wide apart. You know, I, for me, I was constantly, and you know how I feel about musicals and singing in movies anyway. Um, for me, that kept me always feeling I was a step behind in trying to understand what the message of the movie was. Are you a comedy? Are you about angst? Or are we going big and political here and talking about race and, and the tensions that were happening? I think that the movie has good intentions, and I 
of course, you know, I always feel bad being critical because I just understand there's a lot of people that worked really hard, including this young man who did grow up and has been to 150 Bruce Springsteen shows and got to meet his, his idol, which is a great end piece to, to, to see. You see some pictures of them in real life. Um, but again, you know, I, I, I couldn't identify and therefore relate throughout the entirety of this film because I, I didn't know, I didn't know it was going coming around the next corner. The scene where he goes to get the, the, the Springsteen tickets and there's uh, some violence because of a march that's happening and his dad is in the street. To me, that felt like it was a little glossed over as well. I mean, that was a horrible thing to, to have his father bleeding and everything else. So, um, I agree with you in the sense that it was a, it's a, it's a good movie that I think in a lot of ways kind of, again, and just by the trailer. And again, I understand the directors don't direct the trailers. That's another group of people of marketing people that do that. But I think they missed a chance to really, um, at least be a little more honest with what this film really brought to the table. And I think if I had understood that a little bit more, I might've had a more serious, but again, I was drinking Mountain Dew and a hot dog thinking I was going to see, you know, uh, an inspiring uh, teenage angst movie. And instead it was much deeper, but again, shifted on me on, on quite a, quite a few uh, moments there throughout the film. So I'm going to do my best to, to remember some of the things you said, because I want, there are some things I definitely want to touch on. I don't know that I can agree with you about the shifting of the humor to the seriousness. Okay. I, that didn't bother me so much as I don't care for the type of humor that was thrown out. It's, it's, I really like things that are a little more subversive and dark and mean in my humor. That's just mm, me. Right. And so when it's very, this, you know, Hey, don't, don't talk to girls. That's cute and funny, but I don't need that. Well, now, you notice they cut out the rest of that line. What, what is the rest of it? His dad says, don't hang out with girls, hang out with the Jews. Oh, that's right. That is now, but now here's where I do think there's a strength in this because I think yeah. that oftentimes if we're going to tell stories of racism, whatnot, let's expose the hypocrisy that, yeah. oh, this is horrible. That's done to them. Yet they're doing it to somebody else because that is rather a truth in the world. Absolutely. For all the awful things we do, we also do awful things to others. Um, I think that touching on a lot of those themes in this is almost integral to tell who Bruce is because Bruce is very much about find a place in the world, uh, find someone that you can love and, and be with when things go bad, but also don't let the world that's going to beat you down, stop you from fulfilling your dreams. It's just kind of what he says in the final speech. Right. Um, I, I think there are problems in a couple of things you mentioned that really hurt me in the story. And I think the biggest example is that race right at the end where his father's hurt. I, what I'm more bothered by is the idea that if you're going to introduce a set piece like that, here's a big pivotal moment in the film. There needs to be something that precedes it that tells me that is a potential item that may occur. We've seen the skin, his skin has spit on him. We've seen yeah. them treat him badly, but we don't hear anything about rumblings of protest, blah, 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 blah. That needs to be a threat. So when we see it, we're like, oh God, there it is. Instead, it's thrust upon us. It's there. And I thought, well, what is this? In the same way, I said that I wish his passion had consumed him so much that that was what precipitates him to, at the end, realize I love Bruce Springsteen, but I have to do this for myself. And it's kind of there. Right. But it is not spelled out. It is, it's, 
it's very, very shoddy in the way it's put together. And I thought, wow, this is a script that needed one more revision that just said, hey, we need to do this and this and this. And the last thing I want to say is to touch sure. on your idea about musicals. Um, I think one place where this executes, you know, beyond the things that it does very well from a music standpoint are the times when he puts on his headphones. Yes. Words swirl around him. And in a minute, I, I hope you'll indulge me because there are at least three songs I want to touch on elements of lyrics. That yeah, yeah just completely resonate with me but when he's alone in his room the words swirl around him think of it when we're listening to the music we like whether it be melodies that you like or whether it be the words they consume you you're lost in that moment and she does a fantastic job of sometimes you know uh, using a projector project the words on the building as he walks by there's even a scene when the young girl that he falls in love with he sees her in a public gathering place. He's working with a friend's father. He has his Walkman headphones on and begins to sing uh, the classic Thunder Road from Bruce, one of my very favorite songs. It works because we know he's listening. And we also know that he's basically making a buffoon of himself as he sings to what he's listening. But the people around him join in in the joy of it because they see the sweetness of it. It works because all of them can see that he's singing to what's in his ears. What does not work is the scene when they're running down the street, Born to Run is playing, and where the hell is the music coming from? They're just a bunch of ding-dongs running. We hear the music. They're singing it. They show up in a square. People are, are breakdancing to another song, but somehow they join in with them. I'm like, this is wrong. <laughs> he needs to walk up and take the tape out. Somebody goes and he puts it in, and they start singing. That would work. Yeah. It this is not a musical and you can go for musical tropes there. There's the great film once that yeah, yeah. uses a lot of practical. Have you seen that? Oh, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they practically use these people are musicians. So when they play it or he, the guy gives a girl a CD and she's walking down the street with her headphones on listening and singing because yeah. the CDs there. And it, it, it's the weirdness of what a musical would be really like, but it works. Mm -hmm. That does not work in this film. It, it's a film that takes place in the late eighties. And to me feels like it was shot with that in mind. Now, granted the video mapping that they use when he goes outside and it's windy and everything was, was novel. I thought that was uh, mm -hmm. very, very interesting to do. And yeah, when you're by yourself and you're listening, you do have those moments where you're, you know, the world, the words are consuming you and you're listening and, and, and lost in the moment. Um, I, I will, I will, agree with you a bit with the scene in the, in the, in the little shop area when they, you know, everybody joins in. But, but again, this, this, this was another moment that pulled me out of the movie is now, not only were they running and I forgot about the breakdancing. You made me giggle about that was also, it was like, these kids are running fast because they cover like pretty much every area of that town in a two and a half, three minute song by Bruce Springsteen, you know? And it's like, I get it. I mean, you get it in Greece. You you get it in some of the other ones um, where their 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 way of expressing and drawing and pulling you in is to to say that they're running around and having fun. Um, but again, yeah, I, I, it it disconnected for me as far as as far as you know, because again, and again, this is my own ignorance when it comes to film sometimes, but. When those moments happen, I'm just like, why are they doing that? Like, what what about this? deserves to be included in this final cut and i understand you've got to get bruce's music in but they did it such a creative and passionate way in the beginning with the with the video mapping and and the images and the, and the you know of the words going around i thought was really really good but i don't know it's like i almost do they have a bad day and they're like we need you know we need more 
this film's not going to be long enough. And so they had to fill it with some of that. Um, and, and I even felt in that moment, I thought born to run was the wrong choice for it. I think that born to run, yeah. you know, this is one thing I want to say about Bruce. I know Bruce to a lot of people, Oh, he's this bombastic guy with all these big sounds and I just don't get it. Well, the funny thing is, is that when you really pay attention to Bruce, he's really a stripped down songwriter. You break a lot of these yeah. songs apart and many of them. Now, some of the early stuff really play with the conventions of, of rock and roll and where all it can go. His, you know, born to run is a pretty interesting song construction wise and when you strip it down the man at his heart speaks about the the struggles that he saw he often talks about the bruce springsteen you want to meet is not bruce springsteen i'm bruce springsteen i'm a man that's a character almost that's been created right. around these, these right. songs that i've done and he famously talks about i grew up in the these areas and these are not my stories per se some of them are the river famously tells the story of his sister getting pregnant and and having to live a very hard life that they chose because of that. But he even says the way I dress on stage, I'm, I'm dressing to look like my father who was a factory worker. Yeah. That's, that's an affectation. So I thought the choice of born to run in that moment was the wrong song. I right. think there are many very exciting, hopeful songs. You know, there's a song of born in the USA called no surrender. That is, just one of those songs that is nothing's going to stop me. All yeah. I want is these wide open spaces and romantic dreams in my head. And I thought, why aren't you using that? Why yeah. do we have to go to born to run? It's the most obvious choice and it's a little boring. Yeah. So if I can, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. real quick. I want, I want to leave the listener with this. I, again, I love this man so much. And one of the songs you hear in there is probably amongst my favorite lyrics ever. And it's called the promised land. Mm -hmm. And it truly is. It's, it's at the very, it's at the beginning of Bruce's career. But as Jeff said, he, this young man goes outside, there's a storm coming in. So it's almost a little interpretation of this lyric. And I'm going to read the whole passage of, of the middle section. But as the winds swirl, he's got his headphones on, he's listening and he hears these lyrics. Well, there's a dark cloud rising from the desert floor. I pack my bags and I'm heading straight into the storm. Going to be a twister to blow everything down that ain't got the faith to stand its ground. Blow away the dreams that tear you apart. Blow away the dreams that break your heart. Blow away the lies that leave you nothing but lost and brokenhearted. I remember as a kid hearing those things, and you're stuck in a small town. You're stuck in – you don't even have to be in a small town. You're stuck in a situation you don't right. want to be in. And you know that there's something just over there happening. And I'm going to step out onto the desert floor, and there's going to be all these things that blow all this away. But guess what he's also implying? I'm going to withstand the storm. Right. I'm going to be the one I'm going to face the storm and I'm going to go. And those, those words to me as a kid were so powerful. So in this film, I want to be very fair. When I saw that in these, in this film, I was brought to tears because I remember being that young man that people made fun of me because I was listening to something that just like they said, Oh, Bruce Springsteen, some of your father should listen to. Well, you know what? He's still recording and he's still making amazing music today. Right. So no, everybody should listen. But the bigger thing I want to say, what this this film does beautifully, if you believe in something, believe in it. Find the truth to it. Don't let others tell you what to believe in. And I think that film, if it had followed that message even further, would have been a more powerful film. Thank you for sharing those lyrics, and and I, I think you really I think you really summed it up well. Um, my final thoughts on it is um, something else that I didn't I haven't brought up yet that I wanted to ask you about. So. Everybody knows the song Blinded by the Light. Mm -hmm. 
that was who sang it oh good man Lord. for man yeah and like that was their one song and it has become a song that is used in every uh oh crap i'm not gonna be able to think a montage in film you start hearing that organ going and everything and blinded by the light and you know it's going around everything. So I was, you know, I got that earworm one day and, and was trying to look for it. And then I stumbled upon the fact that it's a song written by Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'm not as big of a Bruce Springsteen fan as you, but I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I don't know, I, I guess Bruce just gave it to him so they'd have something to play or he liked the way they did it or whatever. But it plays the smallest part in this film. Granted, his speech speech at the end really ties it in but i also felt like it was something that that was asked to carry a pretty big you know part of the film and the theme within it but played a very very small part now they do play the song and and i did recognize that um out of all the other songs that bruce has done i thought that was interested that that's that's the title they went to and that you got to go through the entire film before you hear a speech in the end, you're like, oh, okay. Now, for some, that may be a nice reveal, and even discussing right now, I, I guess I can kind of see that. But I was wondering, just uh, final with our final thoughts here, what what you thought about that? I mean, you, obviously, you don't want to call it "Born in the USA," uh, you know, you don't want to uh, name it "I'm on Fire" or something like that. But I mean, if you could, would you change the title of the movie to be more representative of a song that's in the movie itself? So it's funny that you say that because. Blinded by the Light is actually one of my very, very favorite Bruce songs. And it's not because, uh, you know, it necessarily speaks to me, but it's the very first track uh, off of his very first album, Greetings from Asbury Park. Um, and it's it's a it's a word vomiter is what I always call them. It's madmen, drummers, bummers, and Indians in the summer with a teenage dimpled mat with the dumps that adolescent pumps his way into a hat. I mean, it's just constant yeah. silly rhymes. Right. With boulder on my shoulder, I'm feeling very older. I trip the merry-go-round, sneezing and wheezing, a very unpleasing, the calliope crash to the ground. Boy, I pulled that off the top of my head. Nice, nice. Um, it's him having. Thank you, kid. Thank you. <laughs> it's him having fun. He's, but he's also telling the story of the people that he saw around Asbury Park. These were very important to him. And at that time, being a disciple of Bob Dylan, he's going to do that kind of thing. Now, what happens with Man for the Man is he's nobody at that time, and they want to cover the song. And what is Bruce going to do? Okay, sure, you can cover my song. Now, I'll tell you a fun fact. My old band, Sundogs, actually covered a Bruce Springsteen song called, um, oh, my God, we covered it. It's on our album, and I can't even think of it, um, Light of Day. Mm-hmm. And because I wanted to put it on the CD, I reached out to Bruce's people. They're very cool. You know, you're, you don't have a record contract, so it's 100 bucks. Send us, and here's the thing. It has to be under five minutes. You can't change the lyrics. That becomes interesting because Man for Man's famously makes it sound like that there's a line in Bruce's song that is cut loose like a deuce, another runner in the night. In Man for Man's, it's wrapped up like a douche is what everybody says it yeah, sounds yeah, like. Yeah. So Bruce, even to this day, says, this song kept me afloat when nobody would listen to my music because Man for Man made a feminine hygiene commercial out of it. <laughs> so I love the song. I thought it was horrible choice. Horrible. Um, you know... I, I, I mentioned before, there's a song called No Surrender that's off Born in the USA yeah. with lines like, I want to sleep beneath peaceful skies in my lover's bed with a wide open country in my eyes and romantic dreams in my head. I think that taps in more to the spirit of this movie. And I think No Surrender is a very good name. Yeah. 
so I found it very odd that they used Blinded by the Light. I really, really did. Right. It just, it, to me again, and, and thank you for that, that insight. But yeah, I just, I was kind of like, you know, I mean, I get it. Not everything's in a title, but I was, you know, it was, it's a film that, that wants it, wants, and at times is very clever, but then there are other parts where their cleverness is, is not so clever and it kind of right. leaves you scratching your head. So um, it's almost like they got bored with it halfway through and kind of went, okay, we want any more cool ideas of how to represent this. Right. Right. And then it just and became people yelling things, at each other. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk. Over no, no, no. Go ahead. I just I, I think that even in the, the point when we have uh, the the riot that leaves his father injured, they use a, fil- a song off of Born to Run. that's called Jungle Land, which has a famous sax solo from Clarence Clemens. Man, what a crappy use of even that song! It's like it, it, it's it doesn't have the right the angst that something. I mean, and especially because Bruce famously clashed with his father so much. So many of his early songs are about the clashes they had, and I think mm. they could have used some of that. Yeah. There's one called "Adam Raised a Cane" that would have been very like in your face in that moment and created more tension. I don't know. Yeah. Boy, the more I go along with this, the more I want to. <laughs> but you and I, uh, yeah, we we often wane when it comes to discussing elements. But but here's the thing, and and you do such a good job of this. I mean, you have to look at it from a storytelling. You got to look at it from, um, you know, a technical production. And I think that I think the storyline and idea is great. I think there were some gaps in there, um, yeah. but. You know, technically, again, had me pulled in in the beginning and then they kind of gave up on all that. Maybe they didn't have the money to do it or whatever. But, yeah, it, it interest when he's first getting introduced to Bruce Springsteen and all those those creative ways, the video mapping and everything pull you in. And then at the end, it's 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 really kind of missed out. But um, OK, so would you recommend kind listeners go see this in in, in the theater or uh, save it for for home? I, I know a lot of people during the summer are always like, hey, I want to see a movie that isn't a superhero film. If you're looking for something like that and it's very approachable family-wise, sure, go see it. It's it's not bad. Are you going to want to rush to it? I don't think so. I think it'll play fine at home. I look forward to eventually, you know, five years from now, it'll be one of those films when it's on. I'll watch it because it means something to me and I can look past the the stumbles of it. It's not a bad film. It's not a great film. Right. And I, I know we're, I keep saying, and last thought, but I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think Bruce Springsteen would like this movie? So, you know, Bruce went to the premiere and he turned around to tell the filmmaker, thank you for honoring my legacy so well. I, Bruce is not the kind of person that's going to be, hey, you, you suck. Right, he would right. never do no, that. No, he's, no. he's a very positive, kind person. Yeah. Um, however, I do think if he didn't like it, he'd say, you know, everybody, he would say something like everybody has their interpretation of something. That would be his way of saying it's there not you go. me. Right. But from what I understand, he liked it. He went to the premiere. He's been very kind about it, but he's also taken a big break because he did the, the Broadway thing. He's got a new album out that he's not touring on. Yeah. He's just kind of stepping back. And, and the funny thing is, is this is allowing him to continue to be in the conversation. Did they show the trailer for his, uh, film event that's coming up? the filmed version of Western stars, his new album. Yeah. Yeah. I, they did not show it there, but I've, I've seen that stuff. Yeah, they did. They showed it at, uh, at the theater I went to. And I thought that would be interesting because, uh, you know, kind of got you in the, uh, in the mood for that as well. So, well, and it's a very interesting thing that he, he just, he wants to take some time off. He's writing new music for the E street band. And he said, I don't want to tour. Yeah. But what we did was we did a live performance and this will be the live version of that. So yeah, it's coming out, but 
I, I, I also wonder how many people will go see that. We are for there. There we go. There's a true instance of um, having words and not being able to speak. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, we uh, open the door and welcome uh, the kind listeners' thoughts and uh, on our thoughts or your own thoughts or whatever. Info at the other uh, kind radio dot com. Our Twitter is is it at tok radio. Yes. So feel free to hit us up on Twitter. I'm, I've I've talked to some people in the social media world, and I guess I need to continue to uh, say that during the podcast so people can remember how to get in hold of us. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. I am going to put out uh, here in the next day or so another film clip. I know I promised at the end of the episode that we were going to put one out for the kind listener to guess that. So I'll make sure I uh, either include that in this or or do a short recording for people to see. We will be back next week. Uh, Todd, you got uh, any gigs or anything this next week that we need to plug? I am actually going to be with the Dive Bar Boombox this week at the Tavern on the Square in Frisco, Texas. We oh, start around 8 p.m. 8 p.m. I'm sorry. I kind of talked over you there. And and that's a great venue. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty happy about that. Now, I want to take a second here because, you know, this last plugs. I want to challenge you with something. We've talked a long time ago about doing a particular show that now because i've seen this makes me want to go back to it so i'm going to throw this out we do a lot of film we do a lot of tv but i want to do music and we had talked about picking our favorite songs and discussing them okay and you had the pretender by jackson brown and i picked uh thunder road by bruce springsteen right i really think that might be a nice follow-up within the next week or two that we do that i i really think that can be a lot of fun let's just like this conversation has been yeah let's just do that next week because I, okay. I, I didn't have anything written down. I was going to be like, stay tuned. I'm going to talk next week. So now we'll know. We'll do, uh, Todd and I will be picking uh, some of our favorite tunes. And, you know, again, uh, kind listener, tweet us, email us, tell us yours. Maybe we'll play a little bit of it uh, for people to hear. And we'll have uh, song discussion this next week. So um, once again, without uh, repeating myself too much, info at theotherkindradio.com is our email at TOK Radio on Twitter. Todd, thank you so much. You have a good week. The other kind. Be safe. Radio I hope um, the dog's doing well. The other kind. And uh, that, that gets better. I don't know. This is. I've got to work on the close of the show, folks. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. We are the other kind. The other kind radio. The other kind radio. The other kind of radio. Radio.